Welcome to Talk is Sheep, the official podcast of the Wild Sheep Society of British Columbia. Brought to you by our title sponsor, Mountain Tough Fitness Lab. Come along with us as we take conversations that matter to you into the high alpine. We have partnered with Mountain Tough Fitness Lab to help get you in shape and mentally stronger. Whether you're a veteran hunter or just starting out, the Mountain Tough app will take you to the next level. We personally train using the Mountain Tough programs and we believe in it so much that we want to give you six weeks for free using code SHEEPBC. That's S-H-E-E-P-B-C. Check out Mountain Tough Fitness Lab. You won't be disappointed. Oh, Mr. Rensmeg, how goes the battle? It's going swell. How are you? A little stressful times over there on the island life? Uh, yeah, it's not. Uh, it's been a couple of weeks. It's been fun, but uh, is it snowing up north? It's uh, getting cold in Prince George or what? Oh, man. These past few days have been terrible to be someone who works outside. <laughs> uh, we're, we're just dealing with freeze thaw like crazy and the slush. And you know, today it was on and off rain and snow all day. We still got a couple of inches, but it was just slush marching around all day so hopefully we hit zero and just stay there for you know the next six months but <laughs> here we are fair and how'd you make out on your uh deer hunt this uh weekend connor get himself a buck or what's going on there oh no no that poor boy we're keep getting <laughs> him in on deer i think that's we're into about 10 Tennies could have shot. He took a shot this time for the first time on a deer and and missed. It was the the fifth deer I got him in on, and yeah, I don't, I don't know. He gets buck fever a little too soon. I think he's got no problem shooting bears and birds, and just the ungulates elude my poor boy. <laughs> he's holding out for uh, sheep, but he's looking for that ten year old ram. He's going to get this fall. I actually have a lot of people laugh at me and say, he's going to get a sheep before I do. Then it's like, <laughs> you know what? I'm going to be okay with that because I'm always, you know, we, we touch on it in this podcast actually about being a little bit nervous as sheep hunters. And I take a lot more pictures of them than I do. And, you know, there's quite a few of them I could have, should have, would have pulled the trigger on and don't. So it's... Yeah. The life we chose, I guess, being cautious. Yeah, well, better than the alternative. And like you said on this, on the pod, we talk a little bit about, uh, you know, that uh, that long walk up to your ram, even when you know it's legal. It's just like until you get it in your hands, it's like, and anyone that says they, they've never felt that, it's like, okay, whatever. But uh, yeah. No, I've, I, no, I've obviously, I've never shot a sheep. I'm still less than one, but uh I get I do that with deer all the time and I've like I've got an 11 by 7 on my wall <laughs> and even after I pulled the trigger like I just see a christmas tree shoot it and I still as I'm walking up in the back of my head I'm like what if it doesn't have four and it's it every single time and I've you know, it's like you know what I I don't know what I'd do if I lost that feeling I, that nervousness of you know the the second guessing it's I don't know. I think it's a positive to have to me anyways. It means I still care a lot. So Yeah, I'm with you, man. And it's just like a reverence to the animal, right? It's like respecting and just, you know, you've taken such, you know, the 
taking a life, right? It's a serious thing. It's not something that you should take lightly. And I think if you were walking up there, just, yeah, didn't give a shit or whatever, it's probably not the, whatever, I'm not going to judge. But for me personally, it's just like, yeah, I just, I'm with you. I think it's, uh, it's important. So. Yeah. So it's a, yeah. a big week for us though, eh? We, uh, we dropped some raffles this week. The WSRs are out. Yeah, so it's uh, they're live, and we got four great packages this year. We we've got, of course, a desert bighorn sheep hunt with Sierra El Alamo, one of the best outfitters that you can get in Mexico, and they kill beautiful big rams. There, it's such a great experience, and uh, the RT family's done such a fantastic job. And then, of course, we got a pronghorn antelope hunt with Silver Sage. That's always a popular hunt. And this year, we got a cool new one that. Uh, we, we try and mix it up every year, make it a little bit more exciting. And uh, we've got a uh, a West Texas Owdad and a Heli Hog Hunt. Talk about super cool. It's like we're not allowed to buy tickets, right? We as directors and, and uh, working for the society, we can't do that. But, uh, man, that is such a cool hunt. Yeah. I've thrown a lot of money at our raffles before we weren't allowed to buy tickets and before I was on the board. So... Now I just stare yeah. at these raffles, just jealous of everybody in on them. I'm like, oh man, I wish I could win that or even just have the opportunity to win it because I can't afford to buy it. So, <laughs> yeah, that that hunt with High West Outfitters is uh, super cool. Uh, they kill amazing owdad, big owdad down there, and then jump in the helicopter and go and uh, go hunt some hogs. Man, that that's uh, sounds like a pretty sweet setup. So, um, yeah, that's a that's going to be a great raffle and. Um, really strong buy a lot of people wait till the very end to buy their tickets and a uh, little word of advice don't wait because uh, they're you know and actually this year we typically will run five on our WSR we're only running four this year because um, we've we're, we're pretty heavy on the on the raffles throughout the year giving you kind of uh, all kinds of different opportunities so um, these ones are going to sell out quick so if you're thinking about buying some tickets for all you listeners that are outside of British Columbia, it pains us that we're not allowed to sell tickets to you. Um, the the BC gaming rules, they have this thing that you got to buy the ticket when in British Columbia. You don't have to be from BC, but you have to be on the terra firma here. So unfortunately, if you're from outside the province, um, why don't you come up and visit Greg and I? We'll buy we'll buy with the whiskey and uh, buy some raffle tickets. And uh, you can get them at the show, um, our Mountain Hunting Expo and Salute to Conservation, February 22nd, 23rd, and 24th. That's a great excuse to come up to BC. You can get some tickets for our Wild Sheep Raffles there and, um, and then have a great time with us as well at our event. Yeah, not to be ignored on top of those hunts for the WSRs. We, Barney Sports Cellar has put together another incredible ultimate sheep camp for us. You know, that thing, it's got everything you need to, except, you know, knowledge. <laughs> it gives you all the equipment you need to, to walk into the woods and go on a sheep hunt, basically. Like, it's one hell of a pra- package, and yeah, that's, that's all, they always do an outstanding job with that, and we can't thank Barney's enough for that. Yeah, uh, incredible support, and uh, they got a beautiful rifle on that. Uh, previous years, in the early days, we weren't... Uh, uh, offering the rifle with it, but this one comes with a Sacco 90 Peak uh, stainless rifle, six five Creedmoor. It's got a Steiner scope on it, and uh, just a great setup. And all the gear that you need, it's got a full Sitka suit, um, so rain gear, everything. So, like you said, Greg, you, you buy that, you got it all. You don't need to do anything else. It's all right there. So, great opportunity to own um, the best gear on the mountain. Um, yeah, so great package. Yeah, and there you. We still have uh, 
the big boar memorial raffle and memoriam of david marsh and uh that that rifle is put together by don lineham and gary flack and the uh it's got something special on the serial number there kyle what what's going on with the serial number on that rifle we're giving away yeah so this is a one-off so Don is, what can you say about Don and Gary? Like Don is, has sponsored this for ever since we lost Dave and he's always been, you know, it's been so important that he does this. And uh, so this is a cool rifle. It's 280, uh, Ackley improved. But the serial number, like you said, is, so Don went out and he contacted Defiant and he got the a Defiant action on it. And then you can get the serial number that you want. So as long as it's, they register the serial number and they just put numbers together. And he specifically requested 2023 WSSBC. So this is such a cool uh, rifle already. It's like a, almost a $9,000 rifle. It's worth over eight grand. And then it's got the WSSBC 2023 uh, serial number. So, uh, but that thing, uh, like it always does, is it's one of our most popular uh, raffles. It's uh, 60% sold out and it's not going to see the light of day. So if you're, if you're thinking about raffle tickets for that one, do not wait. Um, trust me, it's going to sell out. So, yeah, no, that's a it's a beautiful piece of equipment, and yeah, Don and Gary they always do an amazing job. And off the top of my head, I couldn't even take a guess at what they've donated to the society in terms of firearms over the years. So it's uh, thank you to both those gentlemen. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and did you know it? It's cool. You see Corey, uh, Dave's. Uh, spouse um she every this comes out every year and she's always just it, it means a lot to her to see this legacy continue in in memory of dave as well so yeah hats off to you don and gary thank you guys for all you do and and again for all those that support this this raffle too such a cool raffle so thank you for all you do yeah and we still have the uh registration is wide open for the mountain hunter expo and salute to conservation at the end of february in penticton Register, pretty cool. don't miss it. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty cool. Like I, every day there's new stuff that, you know, we're doing a bunch of really cool stuff this year. We've moved down to Penticton. It's February 22nd, 23rd, 24th. We've got whiskey tasting on the 22nd. Um, we just added a new thing uh, this week. So uh, Matt Ward's going to lead the the, uh, the charges in a uh, ruck uh, in Okanagan Mountain Park. It's called Run in the Park, and it's a outdoor backpack experience uh and uh the winner's going to be all win a bunch of prizes and uh it's bragging rights so it's uh our first annual outdoor race it's on the thursday and so go run the race i think it's 10 to 15k through okanagan mountain park and then come back thursday night we got whiskey tasting and uh so that's going to be a great night that's been really popular we've had a lot of signups for that um so we get four ounces of whiskey well obviously we'll have some of our own branded whiskey there that we uh, do every year. And then we're going to have uh, premium cigars available. Uh, there's Wild Sheep Society BC uh, etched mugs, uh, whiskey glasses. Sorry, there. Yeah, I guess <laughs> there I go. Drinking from whiskey from a mug again. Uh, oh, dedicated. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then, of course, uh, we got our Sheep Hunter University on Saturday and Sunday, or Friday and Saturday, sorry. And we're just adding new things every day. So today we just confirmed uh, Adam Yonke's going to do a. Uh, it's interesting on the sheep hunter universities, like, you know, one of the things guys don't talk enough about are boots and foot care. What do you do? Like, how do you buy the boots? What boots do you need for what application? How do you take care of yourself in the field? And you can definitely overboot yourself. You can underboot yourself too. And uh, so Adam's going to run a seminar on that. 
Um, I just got a, another message tonight. Lauren Wood's going to do a ballistics and, and basically a, a seminar on load buildup. And uh, so really cool seminar there. But of course, there's all the people that we signed up beforehand. Aaron Snyder from Kafaru. We got Julie McQueen from Carbon TV. Um, we've got uh, Wardo. Matt Ward's going to do uh, a seminar. Adam Foss, Frankie Foss, um, Rachel Attila. So it's it's a great lineup of people. And uh, you don't want to miss out on our Sheep Hunter University. And then stick around for the yeah, our banquet, man. That's so uh, we got a Friday and a Saturday night banquet, and uh, we got it all packaged up nicely for you over on our website. So come join us; it's a great time. We talk about the wild sheep family. We talk about that on the podcast tonight, and um, we'd love to to have you sample it. And you don't need to be a member. So we've got that question a few times: Do you have to be a member to to sign up? No, you don't. Come and enjoy. We'd love to you to be a member, uh, but you don't need to be. So come and check I it out. I can promise you if you sign up and show up, you're not leaving there without being a member. You will have the time of your life. You'll want to join the board of directors. <laughs> That's what happened to you, right? Your first one and then you signed up for the board, didn't you? Or did you? Yeah, I uh, I didn't make it much longer after the first show before. I was like, yeah, I need to be there. And then uh, right. here I am still dragging it out no <laughs> yeah awesome man yeah i know it's gonna be a great time so the podcast tonight great one um uh, curtis and devin they're hilarious man uh the gas offs and uh they run the come out heavy podcast and it's it's a straight shooting uh it's got the heavy on the e uh rating when it comes to and this one's e-rated too so if you're uh if your children are listening you might want to pull them off but uh kurt dever a hilarious man um very straight shooters and uh and, and yeah and they I, I love it i love listening to their podcasts i love it when they call us out on stuff yeah. it cracks me up man and uh but, but really knowledgeable guys really accomplished in the backcountry and uh entertaining as hell and and uh just Two two great dudes that you want to hang around with. So, absolutely. Well, with that being said, should we we let her go? Let's do it. This episode is sponsored by our conservation partner, Precision Optics. Thank you, Sitka Gear and Precision Optics, for investing in healthy wildlife and sustainable ecosystems. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we have Kurt and Dev, the heavy boys, rolling into town tonight. Welcome to the podcast, gentlemen. Thanks, guys. Yeah, thanks for having us on. It's a pleasure. So, uh, you guys are tend to spice things up a little bit. Oh, there we go. Okay, there's like I said. Yeah. <laughs> First, what's is that a Bud Light there? Or what do you got? Oh, probably. No, Omer roast. Omer roasted me last time, so I had to switch to Coors Lights. Eh? <laughs> yeah, I listened to that one. That was one of my favorite ones of him giving you a hard time. You're drinking a Bud Light. Um, yeah, oh, I did. Appropriate. It was so funny. Like just didn't I didn't know what his reaction was gonna be, but it was like right as that whole uh I don't know what you call it episode was going on in, in the world and, and he just went off the handle and I was kind of unexpected and it, it was great. It was great content. <laughs> yeah. 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 I sat and listened to that thing for about an hour and a half. I'd listened to it twice actually. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Perfect. Okay, so for our guests that are listening, uh, Kurt and Dev run a, a great podcast, coming out heavy podcast, and uh, it's not your traditional podcast. A little on the racy side. It's always interesting, and uh, if you're uh, uh, 
a bit sensitive. There's a big E on every single episode. It's got that big E on it without exception. So, um, yeah, makes it interesting. But, uh, guys, let's talk a little bit, uh, and you guys can decide who goes first on who you are and, and sort of how you got in, how become you became podcast celebrities, I guess. Oh, I, I, I go easy on the celebrity part because we're, we're just a couple of nobodies. But, yeah, just, you know, we how we started this podcast was basically listening to podcasts prior. And, you know, I felt like we were kind of disconnected from what a lot of the, the podcasts were, especially some of the BC ones and ones out of the northern states. And, you know, they didn't really relate with how Devin and I grew up. So we, we ended up planning our Devin's first sheep hunt and every day we would sit there and talk on the phone for hours. And I'm like, man, this is a, this is like a podcast episode that we just did, right? We should be recording some of this stuff. Right. And that's, that's kind of how it started. eh, Dev? Yeah. It was pretty much straight from all the conversations we had. I mean, it happened during COVID. So like everyone, we had a lot of time on our hands to play with this kind of stuff and the only things a lot of us were focused on was our hunts that year and and you know because we felt like we were going to be able to get out in the bush and get into a lot of hunts and yeah I think it was just podcasting had never been a topic or even any kind of I don't know what you call it content creators influencers like we've heard it all like oh you guys are influencers now blah 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 we're like fuck that we are I hope people aren't being influenced by us because that's not a good influence you're normally. Yeah, I'm usually but, bad influence. <laughs> yeah, I guess it's still influencing if it's bad influencing. Yeah. But yeah, Kurt kind of nailed it with we would share podcasts to each other about hunting or hockey. Like, you know, Spitting Chicklets was one we still listen to nowadays and, and enjoy. And, and Kurt was more into podcasts than I was, but he would share ones with me and be like, man, you got to listen to this, like the elk hunting tactics, different scenarios. And that's where I kind of actually developed a passion for listening to hunting podcasts. And then I think it was me who said to Kurt, well, there's got to be some on BC hunting just like this. And he said, well, there's a few. And he listed off the couple at the time that were out there. And, you know, it was like, well, it's, it wasn't really like that itch that I needed scratched for me. Like, and that's kind of where we thought like, well, I wish there was one that just told stories and kind of had the good old boys on and, and just kind of told it how it is. And, and we were like, yeah, let's do that. And I don't know if we thought it would be anything people would want to listen to, but the response we get is basically the same thing you're saying, like kind of, you know, out there brash, just something different. Yeah, well, and honestly, like the the honest conversations are the, always the best ones. Like I love listening to Rogan because it's just a bullshit session, right? It's just a conversation, and Rogan probably talks more than the average guy, but uh, it's just a bullshit. And that's the thing with you guys; it's just a conversation, and just some guys sitting around drinking Bud Lights and calling each other out, right? And so, well, it's I. So the good thing for us is that we don't have any sponsors, so we don't have any guidelines we have to stay in. So it works out pretty good. You know, you can you don't have to worry about losing anybody because if all they're going to do is turn it off, you got nothing to lose, right? <laughs> well, and you guys crack me up. You know, I love listening to you because you're always dissing. You diss everybody. There's nobody that's off limits, including us. I'm like, <laughs> so <laughs> we're like, uh, Greg's like, oh, listen to this crap. It's like, oh yeah, okay, fair enough. So, but you know, you guys call it the way you see it, and uh, you know, it's cool too because uh, 
you know, with the society we've, you know, we're, we're involved in a lot of the issues in the province and, you know, you, you know, people on the outside are like, they're just looking going, why the hell don't you guys do this or whatever? But there's all these factors at play. Right. And we got to consider all these different things and, and sort of, you know, you know, play to the strongest hand, I guess, if you will, where you guys just look at this and just roll. They're like, yeah, that's bullshit. Screw that. Right. So it's, uh, it's pretty, pretty, well, pretty know, liberating that, that, in some ways. Yeah. Well, that comes from like, honestly, like we, we've always said, and if we had ever, you know, not dissed anybody, but like be critical of like what something say the wild sheep society did it was be we also you know back it up by saying we love being a part of the wild sheep society and it's the organization that we think everyone should you know uh support and join and and follow along with but it at times like you said you have to play you guys have to be careful on your end because it's an important organization to run but there's a lot of us out there that have these mixed opinions and half the time when we say something a little bit on the controversial side, we also just need to be educated too. So what it does is it brings up these topics that we need to learn more about or maybe someone corrects us and then we have good conversations on because, you know, we look at it from, I don't know, I wouldn't call it like simple minded, but just you know, like straight shooting minded like, the, well, this is how we grew up. This is what we were taught. Why is it different now? And someone's got to ask those questions. Yeah, no, it's a good point for sure, Dev. And, you know, uh, a lot of the stuff that you guys say, it's great because a lot of people won't tell us that or, you know, you hear one director will hear one thing. But, you know, for example, the raffles at Sheep Week or Sheep Show, you know, you're like, you know, you guys need to do the better job. And and we, I listened to everything that you said on that podcast and I wrote it down. And uh, that's formulating what we're doing this year, right? We're thinking about that. And, um, you know, and we need more of that stuff. And we, we get a lot of people feel bad. They, they know our directors are volunteers. They're out there hustling and doing all the good work. And uh, they don't want to call you out and tell you it's bullshit, but we need that once in a while. We need to be told, hey, you're not getting it right. You need to do a better job of that. And, you know, those are tough emails or tough calls to take sometimes, but that's what makes us better. And if we don't have that feedback, we'll never do better, right? We'll just be the same old shit over and over. Yeah, we don't, we don't mean any harm by any time. Usually it's me, the one making all the, the chirping comments. But, <laughs> um, you know, like I've, I've been loving coming to that show for years and, it's the highlight of the year and get to go get there and see everybody. Right. So I hope no one takes offense to it. It's just me being cheap, being like, Hey, I want, I want to buy a $20 raffle instead of having to spend $20,000 on something. But you know, um, like, like you said, we enjoy the shows. We love seeing everybody. You guys put on an event that's second to none. And, you know, we all look forward to it every year to get down there. And, you know, it, it is, uh, we all appreciate the the hard work that you guys do all year round too, because I don't see anyone else really, you know, putting their neck out there and doing stuff like this like you guys do. So the question for you is: Are you guys coming to the show? And like, we've got this podcast studio, and I heard so Omer said the only way he's going to set up booth is if you guys are like the premier podcast in the event. So, and he told me that he's like, come out heavy boys are doing a podcast. I hope you don't have a problem with that. And I said, no, no, that like that there he's like, it's absolutely critical, man. And I'm like, oh, that's of course. So uh, that's the question. Are you guys doing a live podcast on the show floor? Or what's the plan there? Well, Omer better supply the beer then if that's what he's saying. <laughs> we got a booth for you. We're building one just for yeah. come out heavy. <laughs> It better fit well, a Yeti one ten like, in it. <laughs> yeah, it's like feel the dreams. If you build it, they will come, or what? Huh? That's what we're hoping. 
We also want to see you, you guys know, in the backpack race. Well, of course. I think that that has to change this year. I think you should have to shotgun a beer, spin around and do 10 circles, and then do the race because then it's fair. I think you should have to take a breathalyzer to go in the backpack race, and if you don't blow over a .08, you can't enter the race. <laughs> that's even better. Yeah. True athletes. That, that's got to be the stipulation, yeah. I loved how uh, you guys were calling people out on uh, wearing whatever they were wearing, shorts, and and that they were stretching, and and then you guys there was pictures of you guys in blue jeans and and uh, boots, and it was, oh, it was classic. <laughs> yeah, there's a picture of Kurt lifting my ass up over that block, and the jeans are so tight they're barely able to get over the block, and then there's guys, you know, they got their Adidas runners on and their short shorts they borrowed from their girlfriends and. Yeah, we they know who they are too. They can listen to this, and they know exactly who they are. <laughs> yeah, we won't drop any names, but uh, we're coming for yeah. you next year. And if we can't beat you, then we'll Tanya Harding you in the parking lot. <laughs> uh, that's where. That's the only reason you guys are on this podcast because we're afraid of getting Tanya Harding by you guys. <laughs> <laughs> uh no just kidding no and honestly you guys always say the right stuff and uh you know i know you guys are big supporters of the society and uh work closely with uh or good good friends with you know jonathan and uh well so pesky like let's talk about yeah. him he had a hell of a year and maybe on somebody's coattails matt but uh let's talk a little bit about this hunting season uh who wants to jump into it dev is that you or what do we start with kurt uh mine's on event uh, we'll start with dev yeah, I can I can jump into it. I mean, uh, yeah, Matt Peschke. I mean, if you've listened to our podcast, you've definitely heard the name, and he's now infamous. He's been on many episodes because, you know, he's my hunting partner for about four years now from down here. Um, it was always hard to, you know, get Kurt and I'd always connect on some of these hunts. That even though we we do usually connect on one every year, you know, it is nice to have a, a local hunting partner. And you know, the funny thing about Matt is he wasn't even a hunter six years ago and you know now matt peschke uh is an avid hunter i would say if not a bit of a fanatical hunter like we you know meeting myself and kurt and being introduced to us and it took him from i'm hunting only for you know meat for my freezer i want to be an elk hunter maybe i'll hunt some deer to when the first year he hunts with me and he has a mountain goat tag, had no intention of hunting the zone. I knew the unit and was like, no, we're hunting that unit. Showed him what mountain goat hunting was all about. And it flipped him from basically chasing big, you know, big ungulates that were easier to fill your freezer to being, okay, when are we going sheep hunting? Like it went from that to, you know, how, how are we going to go sheep hunting? When are we going sheep hunting? You know, listen to our podcast and was like, I really want to do that now and then dove right into it. So, and now, I mean, Matt's, I don't know what level of life member of the wild sheep society is, but he's, uh, he is a life member and he might even be like uh, an, a higher level one too. So, uh, it's, it's a pretty inspiring thing to see a guy get into it that late and then recognize, you know, what organizations to support, what type of hunts to go on and, you know, how passionate he is for, you know, sheep hunting, glassing for mountain game and, and that kind of stuff. And an absolute, uh, gear junkie, like this guy is on another level when it comes to picking and changing gear and, you know, finding the best gear 
for the best price, all that stuff. So, yeah, he's he's dove right in. Yeah, he's pretty innovative too. Like he, there's that new Durston tent. Did you guys run that Durston when you were on your sheep hunt this year? No, we uh, tried. Was, he tried his Durston out on a, a mountain goat hunt we ran with a buddy this year. Okay, yeah. So he was. I picked one up too. So he was. We were texting back and forth, and yeah, he's pretty pretty keen on and innovative and and totally switched on with what's going on and and not afraid again he called us out he he sent greg and i a email about one of the podcasts he didn't like what we had to say and it, you know it was a valid point he brought up a really good point that we you know we had a bit of self-reflection on but uh yeah for sure so okay let's talk about the hunt there um all right i, I think you guys got into maybe like uh some young rams or something what's the story there so this this year's hunt uh yeah it was matt's first um we decided like wanted to just do a hiking, right? So didn't want to spend the money on flying. Uh, didn't want to tow a jet. Well, we don't have a jet boat, but didn't want to like you know rent a guided jet boat in somewhere. Didn't want to quad in and anywhere. Maybe get horse guided in or whatever. It was just like you know being a bit frugal, but also knowing that it's doable. Like there are valleys you can hike into in this province and get into ramps. The valley we chose. We didn't know if there were, you know, any serious rams in there of age or anything like that. But we kind of just picked a couple dots on the map and had some backup plans and kind of went for it. Knew that the hike in based on a few guys we had chatted with on forums and, and just different messaging, kind of asking about the terrain, just being like, well, is it doable? Are the creeks passable? are we going to get in? And a lot of the comments were, yeah, there's not a lot of, not a lot of guys that'll go into that country on foot that way. And to us, we were like, perfect. That means it's going to be the limited amount of people where we are not saying there'll be nobody, but we're hoping to eliminate somebody. And Matt was really, <clears throat> sorry, <clears throat> Matt was really looking for the full sheep experience. So this was my third trip. Uh, I did two previously with Kurt and he, he wanted, you know, the things going into it, his first sheep hunt, um, actually his first sheep show that spring. So, you know, getting his hands on horns at the sheep show in Kamloops, he went to a few of the, I think he did the horn aging, uh, really, really tried to dive into every podcast that he could, that we could to figure out aging, to figure out you know, old rams, that whole body type thing that Lancaster talks about, just just every aspect of it. And and what he was basically in it for was he wanted to glass sheep was the first thing. You know, you hear some trips, you get in, you don't even get to see a ram. You might see some lambs and ewes or that kind of thing. And his his big thing was like, it'll be a successful hunt if I get to try out all my mountain hunting gear and I get to glass up sheep. And really that was the goal. I had been on you know, lucky. I'd been on two successful hunts with Kurt. So same for me, it was new country. And it was like, let's, let's just have an adventure more than anything. Let's dive into a spot. And really, that was all we, we kind of went as like a pre-plan. And then definitely you know, from, takes the pressure off eh? Yeah, a little bit. I mean, it, uh, there, you shouldn't go into a, in my mind, you really shouldn't go into a sheep hunt with, I think, huge expectations I guess about the type of sheep you're going to see or 
if you're going to see legal rams or rams at all i think i mean i i this is I, i've been on three successful sheep hunts so it's i guess easy for me to say this but when i went into the ones with kurt the first one i went on i was like i had no idea what to expect and i just wanted to get up in these mountains and and get into the environment more than anything um and that really should be the highlight that should be like your expectation because if you go in with that and then you are successful or you get on sheep well now the trip's just more i don't know unbelievable i guess at that point like you've put it all together so so really that that was kind of the game plan there um yeah the first day it was it was a tough poke i mean it was 12 hours of hiking with 70 plus pounds on and got into a camp spot with enough light left to do a little bit of glassing and but pretty much just bagged from the trip in and it was uh nothing the first night we kind of glassed and saw i we posted it on our instagram recently like a giant porcupine was the the big highlight of day one the only animal we glassed up was a porcupine that in a spotter look like or not in a, in binos look like a little grizzly bear walking across the plateau so that was kind of a a first night shocker for us to be up in the alpine and you know there was craggy rocks on one side and there's this porcupine on the other side so that was kind of odd i've never experienced that into, until this trip um we uh we kind of got reined in on that first night which wasn't a big deal and we didn't run the durston on this one we actually ran a pretty lightweight um what was it mountain hardware tent it was like a three season like three-man tent honestly like i went over it with matt before the trip and if we would have hit snow we would have been in trouble so was it like a I, haba haba or haba baba do you remember no it was uh i don't remember the brand or the the model but i think the the mountain hardware and, and matt would know for sure but uh, I think MSR is the hubba bubba, isn't it? Yeah, you're right. Yeah, sorry, I was. Yeah, yeah. No, that's that's all right. And it was it was good. Like we set it up. I looked at it with them before, and I've never been caught in poor weather, I guess. And neither is Matt. And and honestly, with Kurt, like the first time we went on a sheep hunt, we took a woods tent from Canadian Tires. So it was like, I don't know. I've always kind of just been like, whatever. We'll make it work. We got a we got a tarp. We got a tent. We'll. We got trekking poles if we have to support it. Like, we'll figure it out. So I'm probably like, you're gonna eat my words one day because we've kind of just take whatever tent we've had and then just ran with it. Now, looking at it after that first storm, it wasn't a bad, bad storm, but just the the little bit of extra wind and rain and the light poles on that tent were definitely like a bit suspect. So if you were gonna go later season or anything like that, definitely. Definitely something I realized right away that we we could have been in a bit of trouble or it would have shortened a trip. Um, we uh, we woke up the next morning. You know, I slept in a little bit because after those first big days, it's like, you know, there's no panic to me. I mean, again, when you're when you have been successful and you're not really the one on the probably not the one on the gun, you definitely take your time on these trips and you you enjoy you know a few nights of sleep and I don't know I wasn't we weren't panicked like Matt's not one of those ego hunters like he doesn't he doesn't have like that 
oh, we have to get out and kill something. It's just like, let's explore the country and, and find something. So he was up glassing for a couple hours, I think, before I even woke up that first morning. So obviously I wasn't just like hardcore at it. And he came back and, and I rolled out of the tent and he said he hadn't seen anything yet. So we, we got some breakfast together and I was like, well, if you can't find him, I guess I'll have to find him for you and gave him a hard time. And <laughs> that, that bit me in the ass later for sure. And we glassed, you know, a few hours and had breakfast and picked up a couple or one band of lambs and ewes way off. So it was nice to, you know, be on stones right away first day like first spot basically where wherever our legs took us and shortly after I get the uh you know when you're with your hunting buddy and you're trying to be quiet and there's always everyone has like a sound they give you when you know like something's good or something's going on and because I was glassing to the right looking away from him and he was behind me and then you get the like I don't remember what noise either a click like a hey like just that something like that, you know, that it's, you don't make your partner doesn't make that noise unless there's something good to see or something's happening. You know, it happens when we elk hunt, if someone hears a bugle and you don't hear it, it happens, you know, sheep hunting. If usually if there's like a ram that you just glassed up and sure enough, he was like snapping, like getting my attention. I think he was even yeah, giving me like the snaps because like super excited and he picked up two rams. This is first morning, first morning of his basically sheep hunting experience. And two rams came out of the draw below us at about 800 yards. And they just fed up uh, in the green and didn't know we were there. And we threw, we were just had the binos up. He threw the spotter on. We tried to get a phone scope on quickly to try to get some footage and, and get the imagery right away. Right away in the spotter, it was like neither of them like swooped or broke the nose. Like you could just, you could tell right away that it was like, okay, we're going to have to really watch these guys, maybe age them. And my first reaction was, I think they're big bodied and I think they're mature. Like just the way they were walking and not that I've seen a ton of sheep, but just from videos and all the, the times I have seen a few small rams and, and a few larger ones, just the way they were acting. I was like, dude, these, these look like good rams. Like, and you know, I showed footage of it to, uh, our good friend, Johnny Nykirk. And he was like, oh fuck. Like a guy like that was like, oh, those, that guy's legal all day. Like the, you, you know, people who have seen sheep, they just have it where they're like, Oh, that's a, that's an old Ram, you know? And, but me and Matt, like, you know, that's one of the things that he said, like going into this, if we were going to age a Ram and take one on age alone, it was going to have to be like a guarantee. And we were going to spend a lot of time, you know, really analyzing sheep. So I wasn't jumping on anything there to, you know, go over and above and just be like, yeah, that one's legal. Like, I just know it's legal. Like, I don't have that experience. And and definitely Matt doesn't either. So um, it was pretty awesome to see, you know, what I thought was mature rams on the first morning of a hunt. Uh, I think it was the third time this has happened to me. Uh, Kurt and I have also had this luck where we've, you know, sat on a ridge first or second morning on hunts and, and have picked up rams. And 
I don't know what it is with some of the sheep hunts we've been on or, or how much luck we've had, but it's, uh, we have been blessed to, to p- put more rams in the glass than non-rams. I, I would say that. Well, I, you just got to horseshoe up your ass because my first, <laughs> my first two were grinds and we seen one ram in two trips and then Devin comes up with me and it's like, boom, there's five rams dead the first day next trip boom there's four rams dead the first day i'm like you haven't even dipped your toes in it yet (laughs) he 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 got he got some awakening on this trip though i think (laughs) yeah this this one was better i mean i'm not i mean i go into a couple of these trips knowing that i mean i told matt before this one i'm like i think you picked a, a bad trip to go like your first sheep hunt maybe one of your worst because you've picked on my third and I wasn't planning on having a third successful sheep trip. If I'm being like totally honest, like I was expecting, you know, the weather I was expecting just a little bit of, you know, more of a grind when it comes to finding them, when it comes to the attrition that most sheep hunts or sheep hunters, you have to go through. Now, we put in some time, like, don't get me wrong, this one could have been a chip shot early. Uh, we fucked that up, like, straight up, <laughs> we, we fucked this up, so, and I'll tell you why. So, these rams that we we just finished, you know, being like, oh, we need to get a better look, we just sat there, no movement, watched, and we were exposed, we were sitting against a couple bushes in the middle of the alpine, like, if they turned around and we moved, they would have saw us for sure. So they go up and they bed <coughs> in this craggy country and they bed up on this like perfect 20 foot rock, like flat rock. And they do the typical sit there, big horns sitting up and, and looking down. So we were like, okay, well let's creep back to camp. We'll get set up for the, you know, a few hours of the morning and we'll try to get an age on them. And, but you know, it was also like the high fives were already going like, man, this is unreal. Like we're going to have a chance to age Rams like first morning, like Matt was pumped. Like he put glass on, you know, two decent looking Rams. So we get back to camp and we check the Rams are still sitting there and they're probably like a kilometer and a half away. And, you know, we were like, the sun was just full sun, like bluebird mid August day. So we were like, we're going to get pounded by sun. So let's put up a sill tarp and we'll be able to just hang out in the shade and watch what these rams do and see if we can you know with the mirage and stuff we weren't sure if we were going to be able to get a good age but maybe we'll be able to make a play and get closer to them or whatever so we put the spotter on them leave it and we throw a sill tarp up and we spend five minutes doing that and then all of a sudden look back and they're gone like probably because we were moving around uh or most likely they probably saw us flash the tarp or just too much movement like you could see us in in a straight shot and we let one of us didn't keep eyes on them so we didn't know which way they went we didn't know if they went up if they went right or they went left so you know to say the least we were kicking ourselves being like you idiots like you just had two legal rams on the close side of the mountain and now you most likely just blew them to either the backside of the mountain or out of the country. <laughs> so what went from like, oh yeah, this is wicked. We picked an unreal spot to like, oh, you're dumb <laughs> really quickly. 
That's pretty awesome though. Like such a learning experience like that. That's something you'll never forget. Like a mistake. Like, you know, I could think of so many fuck ups over my sheep hunting career and for Matt, right? Like he experienced that. He's like, Oh, okay. And like, uh, but you'll never forget it. And it's one of those things where you can tell someone on, about it, but they'll never understand it until it actually happens to them. Right. Well, I think I read or heard something later, maybe like listening to a podcast or a clip on the internet. Maybe it was from you, the wild sheep society or something, but it was, I think I learned something that a sheep sees blue, like really well, like blue stands out. And when I thought about that, I'm like, fuck Matt's fly on that mountain hardware tent was like a bright light blue. And I'm like, oh fuck that like hundred percent. It was just this like sail blue claw. So if they were like those rams probably had done the same feeding cycle for the last two weeks or who knows and they probably have been going down feeding and going up and bedding and that older one probably looked down and was like what the fuck is that and just was like oh i know what that is let's get the fuck out of here and just left like i almost guarantee that's probably what happened like we picked up our tent at that time and moved it behind a bluff and like kind of hid it from the mountain for the rest of the trip just in case other sheep or or they came back around. We just did not want it to be seen again. So yeah, it's like the small things always, right? You, whenever you make a mistake in any hunting situation, you always go back to like fucking idiot. I shouldn't have, we shouldn't have moved. We shouldn't have take our eyes off. And was the big one here is like, okay, rest of the trip. If we pick up a sheep that we want to keep eyes on, if they're in our sight at all, we're going to, one guy has to have eyes on them. That was like the rule from then on is like, if someone else is going to go make camp or do something, someone has to know where the sheep are. Like that was the the rule going forward on the trip. So we, we kind of spent the rest of that day after, you know, deciding what was going to be the best play to maybe pick up those sheep again was, well, we'll just look on fat maps and we'll see what holes we think they might've just crawled around and hid in. So we spent the rest of the time that day just looking in different areas, uh, picked up some ewes, but picked up zero rams after that morning. So a little bit disheartened to, to what we did and the opportunity we basically at that time thought we gave up. Yeah, it's uh, it's tough eh? um, when when that happens. But uh, so where'd you go from there? You guys pick up and move country or what? No, we, uh, we decided, I mean, this was, you know, supposed to be our rest day, you know, after your first big day in, you usually do like a round camp glassing day and it it, did, we didn't hike around too much, but the next morning we basically said, okay, we'll check the one little bowl that we can see on the front side of the mountain range, make sure that they're not just feeding in there in the morning so we'll get up early and we'll go check that and then we decided that we were going to pack enough food we'll bring our sleeping bags and a sill tarp and we'll hook this valley there was like a finger valley that you know spurred off of the main one and we'll go into it we figured it was about three or four kilometers in and from fat maps there was game trails that you could see cut into the scree and the banks we we're like well hopefully that game trail is good and we'll just follow it up the valley so we said we'll wrap in and if they're not on the backside of the mountain range then they're probably gone and we'll have to move down the main draw even more and pick away at more country or look for other sheep like 
we don't even know if they're legal, but they're worth finding. Like we knew they were big enough to be like, we have to give it like we have to basically cross it off that we put or checked all the holes we think they could have went to. So we headed up that smaller valley. There's a little lake at the back end of it. And as we were going up, we had glass, you know, as you walk into these valleys and this is pretty steep country, like as far as the mountains, they pull out of the valley quite quick. So there's not a long valley across the bottom. So every time you move a couple hundred yards, you're exposing a lot of, you know, new glassing lanes that you're not seeing from the head of the valley. So we'd stop and, and glass and we picked up two younger rams on the other side of the valley. So both one was maybe a seven-year-old, didn't break the nose. And the other one was like definitely a banana head. But knowing that they were there, we didn't know if there was other rams laying with them. So we just kept an eye on them now as we headed into the into that valley. Um, basically decided the way it hooked, it kind of dog-legged left. So we, we got to the corner, crossed a creek, and then just wanted to glass the whole, you know, inside you could see right to the back end of this valley and the, the weather was great it was too hot you know like a little bit too sunny and no cloud cover and and really no shade cover like we were putting on and and this isn't something to complain about but it's on the other side of the weather spectrum you either are fighting rain and clouds or you're gonna fight potentially i don't know heat stroke if you're not staying hydrated and you know protecting yourself from the sun so we had you know, the kids, one thing we packed was like the kids SPF 50, like, uh, I don't know, they're like sticks of it. And we were just putting that on the ears and the face just to try not to put ourselves on day two into like sunburn, I guess was the theory there. Um, so can't complain about the weather, but a little bit like too hot, if I would say. And we got to a spot and we literally hid in the shade because I was like, I don't want to sit in the sun all day in the middle of the afternoon. So we kind of tucked behind some rocks and glassed as much as we could, kind of just hiding from the sun. Didn't pick up. We picked up a few ewes and lambs again, and we could still see those young rams across the valley and didn't see any other rams with them. And the clouds came in mid-afternoon, and then I said, well, I'm going to take advantage of this cloud cover. I'll pop up. We were kind of hiding over a knob. I'm like, I'll pop up and I'll glass into the very back of the valley. Well, it took me maybe 20 minutes. I picked up 15 ewes and lambs down low. And they were kind of just like right, like this back, back part of this valley was like straight cliff wall and then just scree and then greenery. And they were just like a whole group of them was just lined all along the scree. They were bedding. They were kind of the, the ewes were playing around and the lambs were jumping around. It was kind of neat to watch, but I was like, man, that's a lot of sheep over there. And I bet, I hope like the big ones, like, I wonder if they'd be around. Well, I'd kind of just picked, looked up higher in the cliff bands and I picked up two bigger bodies and I was like, oh shit, that they look bigger than the ones I've just been watching. And, you know, I just had 15 powers and we're probably about two kilometers away, but I was like, okay, looked at them hard enough. And I was like, Rams, like you could see it. And I'm like, and it's two of them and they have a decent body size. So kind of leading to like, this is where they went. And this was basically up and over the mountain we chased them off of. So ripped back, Matt had the spotter. 
got him over, put the spotter on him, verified that these two were the ones we've looked at a day ago. So we relocated them. And now it was about how do you get close enough to age them was the, the play. We don't know if they're even legal or if one of them's legal really was what we were looking for. So being cautious, like I think I'm always overly cautious early in hunts and I think a lot of hunters are. And then when crunch time comes on, when push comes to shove, you just throw like everything aside and you kind of say, screw it. Let's go for it. We do it elk hunting. We, we bull rush the bull in this bed. We, you know, but for the first day you're like, Oh, so quiet. You don't break that many sticks. Oh, we don't want to put too much pressure on them. But like last, so that's kind of the mode we were in. We already blew them out once. So I'm being like pretty hesitant. Like I don't know enough about sheep in this kind of country. Like where Kurt and I had hunted before we had cover, like we were able to sneak through trees. We were in areas where you could use the terrain to block your line of sight with them and even get in in both the hunts kurt and i were on we could get into shooting range and be completely undetected just from the terrain that allowed it whereas on this hunt these rams bedded halfway up the mountain and could see the entire valley below and we were just staring at them so i had no ideas if they saw any movement that wasn't sheep would it blow them out again and, and that was like the inexperience. Like, like we don't, I didn't know. Like I, we had no idea what our movement would be like. So we didn't feel like we were pinned, but it was going to be like what we did in the next few hours to try to get closer to these sheep needed to be strategic is kind of what we were thinking. So we kind of decided to cut across the valley and then use a bit of the terrain to try to hide ourselves as we like side hilled towards them. And we got maybe a kilometer, like we might've cut it in half and then really felt like we ran out of space to move towards them and thought, well, they'll probably get up from bed late evening and then hopefully they'll come down closer and feed. And then while they're feeding, we'll be able to close the distance. So we waited them out, but these fuckers stayed bedded until like 9.30 at night. And they stayed on the high, like there's a reason they stay old. They stayed way up and we never got a chance <laughs> in the daylight to, you know, put any move or any stock on them. So it was like, okay, we're going to pitch a sill tarp right on the side of the mountain. And this is where we're going to sleep was basically. Ooh, that's yeah. a cold night. <laughs> yeah. So, and we knew, we knew this was coming. This was, we didn't know what this was going to look like but we were like we brought the sill tarp and sleeping bags no pads and we were like we were if we were going to kill these guys it was going to take you know going in light and just making do with it so so how cold did you get i've done it once and i'll do it for rams and that's it that's the only reason i'll do it <laughs> uh i'd do it for a big bull elk so i'll, I'll say that right now but uh it, you know what it it wasn't too bad uh like i said the weather didn't dip down too low what we thought we were going to get screwed on was rain it started to rain that evening and we we're like uh oh this is going to be a fun night so and a wind picked up really hard so we pitched that tent basically as low as we could like we used the trekking pole like half down and kept like a really 
like low single slope like so you had to just crawl into it and lay low because we didn't want the wind to pick up and pull it and and flip it around and honestly matt said he had the best sleep of the whole trip that night on the side of the mountain under the silterp and every other sleep he was even in the tent he was like fuck i'll go back to that side hill with the silterp he's like that was my favorite sleep of the whole trip so did you guys have bags do you have your sleeping bags with you yeah, so we decided okay. no pads and we'd bring sleeping bags. So Kurt and I have done it twice after a kill by a creek with no sleeping bags, no tarp, and just uh, survival blankets and whatever clothes we had in our backpacks. And those nights we had to have fires going to stay warm. Yeah, those are cold. The, the, the night I did it, we had uh, the, we had a sill dome and I had... Um, I didn't have a sleeping bag or a pad. I used an emergency blanket. And uh, well, I, I tried without and about woke up at two in the morning and I was just like, just, just shivering. Just my whole body was like vibrating. And I, I threw on that emergency blanket and instantly your temperature goes up 10 degrees. And then all of a sudden you're sweating like within like two minutes and then you're soaked wet. It's like, fuck, it was horrible. Like it was, I, it was a horrible night, but we'd killed a ram. So we were two rams. So we we're happy, but. Yeah. yeah, when we did it, we had whoever was caping out the head was doing that, and the other guy was collecting sticks and whatever you could find for wood. Because yeah. we did drop down into the trees a bit, so we were lucky that we could have a mm. fire. But you don't sleep much on those nights. You're, I remember laying there waiting for Devin to wake up and be like, "Okay, hey, let's get out of here. <laughs> we got a long day ahead of us." So you actually slept then, Dev? You got a good night's sleep? It wasn't bad. Was nice. Yeah. Sleep. Yeah. Yeah. I got a night's sleep and we tried to get up, you know, as early as we could, you know, break crack a day. And and hopefully we were, you know, a lot of learning too. Like I, a lot of stuff on this trip I learned was this ram behavior, uh, sheep behavior in this country. Um, like I said, I've, the last two sheep hunts I've been on, we were successful early in them and we didn't spend a lot of time, you know, analyzing their behavior. We just, you know, we were efficient and that's not a credit to us. It was just an efficient hunt. It was one of those hunts where you spot legal kill. And we did that twice. And, you know, this was one of the first times I spent days watching a group of sheep and two and two rams to boot. So the next morning we were expecting <coughs> them to be down low feeding in the green. So we got up, relocated them in the morning. They were on the same mountain face, not down that low. And we were like, fuck, okay, well, we're going to have to push closer then and we'll try to, you know, close some distance. So we packed up camp and pushed closer and we went over. You know how like that sheep country, the as the mountain transits into the valley bottoms, you get those rolling little ridge bands, like little finger ridges that you can like hide behind. So we'd do that. We'd sweep and kind of crawl over one. And then we go down the other one and fuck, we got like a hundred yards from where we camped and we crawl over this ridge and there's just 30 ewes and lambs like right there. And we're like, like at 30 yards and I'm like, fuck, like, and not knowing if I, I'm worried, like if I blow, if we blow them and they run across the valley, I don't know what kind of signal that sends to these rams that are basically calm like they're just running their regular day up there so we froze and kind of waited the, <laughs> the ewes and lambs out they finally moved off but by that time those rams went to bed early and they were 
in inaccessible terrain again three quarters of the way up a thousand foot mountain like they were way the hell gone again they bedded down we put them to bed so this is the second day in a row we've put them to bed and this is about mid-morning and we only packed enough food for this day from our main camp so now the decision was how many days are we going to put on these rams and we haven't even identified if that one's legal we pretty much identified like we had a lot of glass on them but we've pretty much identified one we don't think is legal and one has a very high possibility we almost certain he's legal but we haven't got that you know full confirmation so we're not even in like I guess we'd like say like kill mode let we're not even like let's try to find a shot we're still in like let's try to find a good glassing spot and the right sunlight to make sure that he's as old as we think he is so you know Matt and I talked and and he has probably less patience for things than I do when it comes to you know being in the woods and and usually just when it comes to like let's go let's go do something else let's let's not spend too much time in here like so and I'm fine with that. I mean, it's just as much his hunt as it is mine, if not more, like one of his first ones. So we kind of <coughs> put the plan together that we'll go back to main camp and we'll get more food. So we decided we'll drop all the camp gear and we'll just rip back. And being light like that, we were able to get back in probably an hour and a half or two hours. Got back to our main camp, had some lunch restocked up on food but just enough for that night and the next day like two more meals not like three just like if we don't get it done tonight or tomorrow morning then we're done we'll come back and we'll go somewhere else that was basically the play so we go back in we we relocate our gear and throughout the day we were talking about what our strategy was going to be and this is where the i'm tired of tiptoeing around the valley playing cautious hunter went away and Matt actually came up with a why don't we just walk straight across the valley we'll walk straight at the lake at the other end right underneath them and if we blow them out we blow them out or they probably won't care and they'll just let us walk underneath them and I was like sure I'm like I'm game for anything right now let's just do it so we just like separated ourselves like 50 yards apart and lumbered across the valley we didn't tiptoe we didn't act like a predator like that was the big thing we decided was like let's not act like a wolf or a cougar where you're like stalking around let's act like a caribou and just walk like kind of fumbly just like a human just lumber across and and see what happens and after we got halfway across we kept checking on the sheep and they were just chewing their cud bedded down middle of the day we're like all right they don't care well we get three quarters of the way to the lake and Matt's ahead of me, maybe 50, 60 yards. And I see him like freeze because he bumps something. And I come up over the ridge and he's stampeded off a group of ewes and lambs. Like they've taken off like flat run. And we're both like, fuck, there's no way. We just fucking blew the whole valley now. <laughs> like we definitely, there's something that chaos is going to ensue. So we throw glass up on the rams and they're none the wiser. They're not even paying attention. And you know what? I, I throw that to like, I bet you those ewes and lambs in this particular valley get spooked and run around like idiots most days of the week. And the old, old boys are probably just used to the women and the kids being a pain in their ass. So they just don't pay any mind to them. And that's kind of how I look at it. 
I mean, you guys have been in sheep country. What is that sound plausible? Yeah, sounds pretty natural. All that, every aspect of it, actually. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah I've experienced that a few times where the the lambs and ewes take off and the rams are like whatever. Not my problem. Yeah. So I mean, that was a learning experience. I mean, it's now I know. Like it, it's funny. You go on another sheep hunt and I might have too much confidence and be like, oh no, you can just walk right up this valley. They're not going to move. And then that, sure enough, those ones will probably blow out of there. But at least you know you have that option. So we we blew past, we got to this lake, dumped camp and just had like, I don't know, it was like mid evening, early evening. And we cruised down the creek draw, which had really good cover. And we kind of got to a point and they started feeding in really good evening light like it was just right on them so we finally got matt's spotter <coughs> and were able to to finally age that that guy that we thought was was legal and and we really uh spent you know a ton of time finding eight rings visible he was broomed and you know talking to guys over the years and and being involved in in different counts with the CIs and, and just different things. I basically said to Matt, if we can't find eight, even though we know he's broomed, we basically can't shoot him. And even though he would, could be aged, I think we really need to make sure that he's going to have eight rings. And that's what we were looking for. And we also decided as a, you know, hunting partners, if we're both not confident, then we shouldn't take the shot. And that was the other side of it is like, that was our rule. If one of us was like, no, he's fucking legal. And the other one was like, I don't know, man, I wouldn't do it. Then it was a no. So that was really what we did. And we analyzed and we phone scoped and took more pictures than we needed to from every other angle and really compared them and found the the eight rings we were looking for. And at that time, it, and it's a fun moment because you talk to your hunting partner and you go, he's legal. And the other guy goes, yeah. And from then on, you're putting the spotter away and now it's a rifle, right? Now it's like the next scope that's on them is a gun because we've both decided now the play is just find the one. And he had, he was a lot darker ram than the other one. The other one had a lot more white on him. So it was like, you're shooting the one that's not as white. So let's get Matt in a spot and get him to shoot. So that's, you know, where I, I find it like really everything changes now you're at like you're not searching anymore you're not looking for legality and it's basically go time and that's a, a real fun point in a hunt when you're like especially a sheep hunt because you never know if you're ever going to find a legal one or you're going to find that opportunity so from then on we finished that evening they didn't give us anything and now we knew going into tomorrow morning if they presented us with anything if they came down low enough and they were in range we had a we were going to take a shot or the opportunity was <coughs> could be there so no go ahead Kyle Dev what's what's range how far what do they have to be how many yards yeah that's a good question so Matt and I have two different ranges we he hadn't been on a lot of you know long range hunts or types of things so I took him out to the range a lot to get him confidence I mean I had shot at longer ranges more than he had just from preparing for these hunts and, and just hunting more and we had him hitting 500 yards, 10-inch target, every shot before the hunt. The Thursday before our Friday drive, he put four shots into 10 inches at 500 yards. And so 500 was the number, and we hadn't had him. And he didn't, he was shooting Tika. He shoots a 308, 
and I think he only had a 10 power loophole uh, custom dial scope on it so that is about the range for that gun like you're not going to push it past and and he knew that and you know we've talked about the the setups Kurt and I were running this year and, and I have a, a 300 PRC in the fierce carbon rogue with a zeiss on the top and so my range can go a little bit past and i had practiced out to 750 would i take a shot that far honestly hard to say never had been presented with it but i definitely was comfortable maybe 650 and in so there was a little bit more range that i was going to be more comfortable with that matt wasn't and he knew that but in our case he spotted the rams first these were his rams He's never killed a ram, so he was the shooter. And I was there to support him. Range, wind, whatever he needed. So we were going to try to get him into range, and, and that was the play. And I told him, he can shoot my gun if he wants. Like, I don't care. Like, if you're more comfortable and you want to take a crack with my gun at 500 yards, by all means, like, shoot it. That's not the best play, but I still give him that option. So... We wake up the next morning, we leave camp, which was a Siltarp night again. So we did two Siltarp nights. This one was colder. We slept right by a lake. Um, pretty cool lake that the rat or the sheep around the lake were knocking rocks into it all night. Like you could hear them like splashing and, and moving around us. And so it was, it was kind of a, a cool little spot to be. Not as good of a sleep as the night before, but what can you do? You're on a sheep hunt sleeping on the ground. You're not at the Ritz, so you make do with what you got. We get up, we go back to the spot, we left them, can't find the Rams. The typical, you figure everything's going to fall into place, they've been in the same spot on the same mountain for the two days straight, can't find them. We spend 20 minutes, can't find them. We pick the whole mountainside apart, have not turned them up, we've turned up a couple U's, but no Rams. We're like, fuck, like, and as we're kind of laying there, we're kind of looking at each other and Matt's looking behind me down the valley. And he's like, Oh, there's like a caribou or sheep, like down below us. And I spin around, throw the binos up and they're down below us, which is what we wanted. But they're literally in the valley bottom feeding. And I'm like, Holy shit. So I grab, grab the range finder, throw it up 400 yards. I'm like, fuck, get your gun. But they're feeding actually away and down the valley more and there was like a bluff coming off the creek and they had about 30 yards and they were going to be behind this bluff so we didn't have enough time to get a gun set up they were just steadily feeding away from us didn't know we were there and i was like shit okay well they're in the valley bottom so let's cross this creek get up and we'll be high enough they won't be able to see us because there was like a bit of a like a plateau we were on so we scurry across, but the worst thing was we knew the wind was going to be bad. So like they're down below us. We know the thermals are going to be pulling down this creek draw, but what are you going to do at this point? Like there, there's a chance that we could just get to the knob and they'll be within like two, 300 yards. So that's what we were trying to do. We quickly ran across the valley <coughs> and crept over the knob like you know full-on army crawled over the knob like we were being all stealthy gone like nowhere to be found and we're like fuck they winded us for sure and like pretty devastating like it's funny i'm gonna put out a video of this hunt like we recapped our last sheep hunt and matt and i got a lot of good footage here and i do like an in moment 
recap with like just like a selfie of myself and the look on my face is and then I have like a recap of being successful and it's a wild fucking Jekyll and Hyde moment of like how devastated I am and then how like happy we are so pretty interesting how like the emotional range you go through on these hunts and why you get so excited when you are successful but it was like we thought we were fucked it right up like when we did you know not saying we made like the worst calls but we kind of got unlucky and they got below us in the thermals and matt threw the binos up and watched their asses like disappear over the crag like across the valley and he's like yeah i just watched them go away and i'm like fuck so we sat there for 10 minutes or so kind of regrouping ourselves and just being like fuck i don't know and this is where matt was like okay if there's an opportunity for a longer shot he's like just take it like he's telling me this and i was like are you sure because if yeah if anyone knows kurt and myself when when you basically say like you can be the trigger guy we might be the trigger guy (laughs) like (laughs) great night (laughs) yeah Uh, you might be the trigger guy (laughs) yeah that's awesome so and he was like 100 we've put in so much time and i would be i would he said like i would feel bad if this hunt doesn't have a success on it just because we're really pushing to make sure i pull the trigger but there could be an opportunity to be successful and you know the class of that ram i that was a decision for me too like i wasn't planning on shooting another ram that was really young or small or whatever so i had a bit of standards and he was in my standard for sure like 100 percent. so i was like yeah i'll take a shot if it's there um age wise everything mass it was like yeah that's an old enough ram where i would take another my second ram and he could be it so didn't think it was gonna happen but a few minutes later look up back on the mountain and these you know, they were, they wanted to go back to where they were betting the last two days. <coughs> they obviously felt safe on that other mountain. So they started crossing the mountain. They scurried up to go right back up Valley. And I ranged them from there and they were eight eighty, eight ninety. So I was like, okay, screw it. Let's just go. They, they're going to see us, but let's just try to get closer. And there was like the little creek drawed across and there was a little bluff on the other side where it would have been a bit of a steepened angle looking up at him. But I ranged it from where we were standing and it was like 300 yards. And I'm like, Matt, if we get to there, we've cut the distance by 300 yards and you might be in range. So let's like go. So we just like quickly scurried and went to that spot and we kind of watched them and they definitely see in us at this point. And Matt kind of stopped us and he's like, man, they've pinned us like they're looking like he's like stop and then he at that moment was like i'll turn around and walk back a little bit and and kind of distract them like an animal walking away and he's like you just keep going to the bluff and at this point it was just like well if i get to the bluff and i and they're in range i'm going to take a shot because that was already the green light given so that's kind of what happened i went over to the bluff dropped my pack ranged them i got 585 i'm like perfect like check my chart on my phone for my scope i get everything set up and then i find him in my scope 
and I run a muzzle brake on this 300 PRC and I, I really wanted my I got I had the ISO tunes like earbuds so I scurried back to my pack grabbed my headphones put them in because I wanted to protect my ears went back up like I don't know why I didn't just bring my pack with me like these moments they go through your head later and you're like why the fuck did you drop your pack 20 feet away and not just put it right by you where you were shooting doesn't matter just things I look back on in these moments because I went back to my pack again (laughs) so I get set up I'm using a jet this is actually a funny plug and I'm going to put it on Instagram again. I heard that Jetboil doesn't really support hunting. So I thought it was kind of funny that I used a Jetboil as my rear rifle rest while I was shooting <laughs> on a hunt. I don't know if this yeah. is like a, a good thing or not, but I was like, that's funny. I heard that they were like not anti-hunting, but I don't think they support hunting. So I was like, oh, well, you supported my rifle. So thank you for that. But <laughs> um, so I got set up there and, you know, dialed the turret in i didn't take the time you know to look for wind or anything at this time it was kind of like i felt like it was like go or no go situation he he was standing broadside facing up valley and i just touched the first one off i hit him he spun went a little bit back to down valley and then he spun back and walked back to where he was standing and bedded down and I was like, fuck, I must have hit him hard enough that he doesn't want to run anywhere. So then I load another one in, and now it's like a little bit of the, the old panic sets in at this time. And <laughs> I, I jack another shell. I let one fly. I see it hit the rock over top of him. Jack another one. And then I don't think I, this shot, I don't think I pulled my bolt far enough back. And I like jacked no shell. And I went click. And I'm like, fuck. <laughs> so I jack it far enough, put another one in, take a shot. I don't think I hit him with that one. And now I'm out of bullets. And this is when I have to go back to my backpack again. I'm like, fuck, you're an idiot. So I go back and get bullets, throw another shell in. Matt's way down the valley. He's hearing shots going off. He's just basically watching in his binos. He doesn't know what's going on. I settle in. I'm like, okay, take a good shot. I take a fourth shot. I throw it over. I saw it over his back and hit a rock again, like two inches high. I'm like, Jesus, man, stop jerking the trigger. Like, you already hit him once. You already had your range. So then I was just settling into, like, okay, my fifth shot potentially. And then he stiff-legged, kind of just straight back, and then rolled down the mountain. So first shot, did it, anchored him, killed him. But, you know, I got... I, I don't know how bad Kurt is for this, but it's real bad inside me. And it comes from our family of like, if they're not down, you let them fly. Like I, and I, it's not, it's honestly not, I know it's not like the standard ethical taught way, but we've always been taught that it's like, if that animal's not down, you get it down with, by any means you, you, you've now basically started the process. You need to finish it. So I may fly lead quicker or, you know, I don't know. Kurt, I think, has the same thing because I've seen him in the same situation. He can weigh in here and, and tell me, but I, I definitely let him fly. Once I'm going, it's like, go. <laughs> yeah, I think once you once you touch that first shot off, it's there's no point saving bullets at that point. You just, I don't like chasing wounded shit through the bush. So if it's not down, empty your clip and empty it again, I guess, because the same situation happened to me on my first sheet, but I'm going to blame the my uh, 
wind caller oh, fuck, on that one. Oh, we go again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He, he told me the wrong direction. I'm like, what the fuck's going on? I'm way behind this thing. Must be really blowing, but yeah, I found out I, I was holding for the wrong wind, but... That's, an, was, that's another story. my left, not yours. That's another story. my left. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, we, you know, put him down, and he, he came down the mountain, you know, 400 yards or so, and it's actually interesting, and, and I'll, I want to touch on this a bit. I, I listened to a podcast recently, and we obviously don't have a video of this and we don't share this emotion on any of our, I would if I caught it on video, but after this stuff happens, I mean, I grew up in a hockey environment, Matt's a soccer player. So we grew up in like sports competitive. You let out like a cheer. He's across the Valley and you know, the reaction is like the, you score a goal in hockey. It's like, woo, and, and he hears it and he gives it back and you celebrate and it's, I heard a podcast recently basically frowning upon, you know, the celebration being like put out there in media. And I'm not saying this ours is being put out there, but I just, I, I would never like, that's a raw emotion that we felt during our hunt. It happened on our elk hunt. We cheered on that one. I, I don't, if you're getting judged on that, I mean, it's an, a, we're not cheering cause we killed something. We're cheering because we just went through two nights of siltarp camping, eating shitty food, thinking we've blown a hunt twice or three times, and then you're successful after all that adversity, that's what you're cheering for. You're not cheering because I killed that animal. It was just the success of all of it, right? Yeah, absolutely. That's uh, It's interesting that people were talking about that. What's your perspective on that, Greg? What are your thoughts? Well, I can relate to these guys. I grew up in the sports environment, and I still can remember the first moose, bull moose I shot. I don't know, I was 19 or 20, and I just let out a roar. Everyone in the valley heard me. I was jacked. <laughs> I'm okay with it. I'm. You're celebrating. You're not just celebrating what you've just done. You're celebrating everything leading up to that moment, and it's, uh, you know, it's, Sometimes you just got to let out that roar of emotion and it's feels good when you do it too. Yeah, absolutely. Like it, there's such an adrenaline rush going through your body at that time of, of any animal that you're hunting. Right. And it's, it, it's hard to explain unless you've been in that situation. Non hunters wouldn't probably understand that other than if you related it back to sports like Devin did. It's, it's the, the rawest emotion that you can have especially when you're on a sheep hunt where it's so physically demanding, not everybody can do it. It's not like you're driving down a road, shooting a deer, you know, standing on the side of a forest road. It, you're, it, you're going in there, everything's on your back, back, and you're, you're packing everything out. Like it's a, it's an accomplishment. Well, that's, that's a good way to put it. Like an accomplishment when you're, when the hunt feels like in a full, like body, mind, physical accomplishment, that's when it just comes and it's a wild experience to be that remote and and have that partner like that that sheep is matt's sheep as much as it's mine like i pulled the trigger that hunt was our hunt like and that's most sheep hunts to be honest like kurt's first one we both put the same amount of effort into it he got his mine same amount of effort like those are our sheep 
you know, and, and it's, I, I actually like, I think of this sheep hunt with Matt being such a, a team uh, success that I, I wanted to get a replica of it. Cause I like, you know, those replica mounts, but man, they're freaking expensive. So I'm not going to, cause I'm cheap, but <laughs> the, I, the thought was there, <laughs> but it, it's, uh, I, I would never want to, you know, feel bad about sharing that emotion. Now I maybe uh, doing it, you know, in a video in in front of things maybe i could see how it can be looked down upon but i don't think a hunter or people that go into these situations should you know second guess that emotional experience like that like just you know be raw be real out there there's no reason to feel bad for it it happened again to us on our elk hunt we called that big bull into 30 yards or closer and matt and i killed him that's a team team success again and we cheered that one because it was an unreal experience we put ourselves through hell in the back country of the mountains to find them and that's why you're cheering and then you're also right after you're cheering you're like oh shit what the fuck did i just do <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah so just out of curiosity on that podcast was it uh were they saying like, oh, it's, it looks bad in the eyes of the non-hunter or something? Is that kind of the perspective or what was the deal there? Because yeah. I'm with you, man. Like you go, you want to celebrate, like you got to cl- clean kill your, your animals down. There's nothing better, right? Like, and that's the best outcome for everybody, including the animal. Yeah. So the, the podcast actually was from the Wild Sheep Foundation. They recently put oh, okay. one out. Um, they had Randy Newberg and I can't remember the other guy. And they were really talking about kill shots in media. And I was interested about it because I put out a hunting film with Kurt. Uh, we have a kill shot in it. Um, I know they're not talking to us who have like, you know, minimal followers and viewers, but still I like to understand what's going on out there. And the new, the new mantra or the new approach to it is only telling about the adventure, only talking about the hunt and the meat and the adventure and, and starting to censor the kill shots and, and censor some of those emotions. And uh, Kurt and I, I know we're on the same point here where it's like, as soon as you keep canceling things, you never can get it back. And it's just about how to approach it. I'm not saying there's every hunting video out there's a great video, but I also look at it like if you clicked on a hunting video and you didn't expect to see an animal killed, then you're a bit of an idiot anyways. So <laughs> that's that's a nice way to put it. <laughs> but um but yeah, that that was uh that was basically what they were talking about and and they weren't, you know, it was more of a conversation, but it definitely gets you thinking about these things and the and the hooting and holler and and those types of stuff. I didn't even realize I did it or I didn't even realize it wasn't as common or maybe it is looked down upon a little bit at times and Honestly, I, I don't think I could control it. Like Greg said, it just comes out. You got to let it go when you're cheering with your partners. It's a, some of the experiences we we do experience through these hunts. I mean, it. I probably let out another holler when we got back to the highway after 12 kilometers of pack out because I was so done with my backpack and the whole thing. And it's just another reason to, you know, that, that part happens too. You another success. You got out without ripping your knees apart or losing an ankle or breaking something like we went through some hell to get that ram off the mountain yeah that's awesome so is matt hooked for life now or what's uh what's his status oh you know he's he's funny he uh 
you would think he'd be like, yeah, let's go right back. I got to get mine. And he's like, kind of like, he's hooked. Like we're going again at some point, but he's already on to the next thing. Like, oh, maybe we can hunt bighorns. Maybe we can find, you know, muleys. And, and he's already like, what's our next like bucket list thing? And we're like, well, you haven't got a thin horn yet. He's yeah, but I did that hunt. Like what's next? <laughs> so he, he's in his like scatter mode of like moving on. And Kurt, Kurt's involved in this because we have a group chat together too. So yeah, to put it, to put it this way, I don't know what time he sent the message to the group, but it was like five in the morning, and he did like an Excel spreadsheet of bucket list hunts to do. So like he's definitely, I'd say he's definitely still got the sheep fever, but he's got the mountain hunting fever. Like he's yeah. he's got the sickness because he's. The spreadsheet was hilarious. I just looked at him like, you got too much fucking time on your hands, man. Like, it's five in the morning. <laughs> what are you doing? But, yeah, he's uh, he's drinking the, the Kool-Aid now, that's for sure. Right on. Well, that's awesome. Um, how's your time? I know it's late. You guys, uh, um, are we, are we going to keep rolling? It's been a big season. We're going to have to have you on for part two and talk about the elk hunt. Um, I'm good to keep rolling. Yeah, whatever you guys want. Yeah, I got lots, sure. lots of time, too. Um, so about the Ram, tell us a little bit about him. What, what do you end up aging? Uh, did you guys score him? You got any stats? He's beautiful Ram, heavy, gorgeous. Yeah. Let's also go back to like, I've talked about this on our podcast, like, and you, I would actually like to hear yours on this, Kyle. And, and I would expect you would be more confident than, you know, an inexperienced guy like myself, but so you, you do all this work, you age them, you do all these things, and, and you're 100% confident that's a legal ram. And I still, to this third one on the ground, and I was still nervous walking up to him. I'm not lying, and I, Matt was too. And I'm like, dude, I don't know why I'm nervous, but I don't want to make that mistake. And I don't think we did, but there was this like half percent of doubt in the back of your mind that creeps in when you walk up to a sheep after all the events we go to and the podcasts we talk on and there is a bit of pressure from putting yourself out in this space that you fuck up. It's a bigger fuck up than if you're not in this space. So I was, I'm always nervous walking up to him and obviously it didn't matter, but uh, have you ever had that experience or do you know what kind of what I'm talking about there? Dude, I am scared to death the entire time. Like until, until he's CI'd and, and the guy's like, yeah, you're good to go. It let, well, I'm exaggerating obviously, but absolutely. Yeah. And honestly, I think that that's what separates you from other people that pull the trigger and like yeah whatever it's like like we care we really 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 care and i'm not maybe the people that make mistakes care too i'm not saying that that's the case but um i think that's a good thing i think that's a really healthy thing and i think if you walked up there with cocksure and um i think that that's kind of not the right attitude to have like um yeah i'm with you man totally with you 100 percent I mean, scared to death. It'd be real nice one day to just shoot eleven year old twister that breaks a nose by like six inches, right? <laughs> then you can just walk up. You can stop and have a fire and relax because before you even get to it, because it's a no brainer. But you know, like the the three rams that Devin and I've been on, like all old rams, all mature rams, but two were broomed, and you know, you you just don't know, especially for us being you know, we haven't laid eyes on thousands of rams like some of my buddies. And, you know, I, I get in service, send a picture to my buddy that guides sheep. And he's just like, oh, dude, like, that's a no brainer. I'm like, well, well, maybe in your world, but maybe not in my world. Right. And, you know, it's, it's 11 or 12 years old. But at the time, you're just like, well, fuck, I don't really, I know it's legal, but you just, yeah, I don't know. You just don't want to be the guy that, you know, messes up. Right. 100%. Yeah. 
Yeah, so we, we got up to him and, uh, you know, initially re-aged him at that time. Like our initial re-age was 10. Um, we thought there was one in the hair. Uh, and it didn't matter, but we that was like sweet. Like we got a 10-year-old. He's, he's a great ram. He carries his mass. He's heavy. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm putting him on the wall. I, I caped him out. I mean, that's... I don't go that far in to not pull a cape off with them. Like that, that's definitely something we do there. And, uh, I didn't put a tape on them or score them really. I, I, I don't know a lot about them. I mean, Johnny put a tape on my last one because he's more, they'd be like different. Like I'm really into elk numbers and stuff. So I'll put a tape on most elk that I see that are big. And with a, a broomed ram too, it's tough to tape them. Like you don't know how long he really was going to be. And, but like my taxidermist said, like, man, this thing's bigger than your last one. And I was like, I don't know about that. And he's like, I don't know, dude. Like, I would say this is like, he he's put him in about 165 is, is what he was thinking. So, you know, that was just his rough guess from the amount of rams he's seen. So, I mean, in the, in a one sixties, I mean, it's, it's pretty awesome. I mean, it's, it's pretty lucky to. What a great you know, ram, man. Congrats. Yeah. That's thank awesome. You. And to you and Matt, like, that's amazing. Yeah, and Matt went through the uh, trials and emotions of you fucker. Like I should have shot that <laughs> ram. That's my ram, and you know, and and Matt's not a spiteful guy, and he's not mean by any means, and we have a great, fun, you know, joking relationship. But same with me and Kurt. But it was like, I and I was like, totally, I get it. I would have been the same way. I mean, even Kurt, I remember, and it's not spiteful, it's not jealousy, it's just a little bit of envious. Like when we were packing out my ram and Kurt was walking behind me, he was like, You bastard, this thing's a pig. Like, I can't believe you killed this as your first ram. And you know, and, and those are fun jokes that that's our relationships out there, man, where we are a hockey team out there. Like that it's the same same mentality we we win together lose together and and when we are successful we're still going to make fun of each other and even when we're not successful so that's just kind of why it's fun for us it's it's just a big brotherhood out there so yeah that's awesome so is there any envy kurt or what how's how are you coping with this whole matt uh and dev hookup uh I'm, i'm glad that devin's got someone to hunt with that's for sure um especially down there like for years down in the Kootenays I would come down every year go elk hunting and you know every year we'd go a little bit farther into the into the mountains and you know Devon's it it's a lot of country down there right and it's some of it's a little sketchy there's lots of grizzly bears rolling around so doing some of that shit solos might be a little bit sketchy so I'm glad he's got a, a partner to do that with down there now but I was definitely jealous for sure not, not jealous jealous that i didn't get to go on the trip and uh you know with work and starting a new job and a baby at home it just this year nothing nothing was in the cards for sure but you know i was getting the the updates and when i wouldn't get an update i'd be in reach and devin like hey man what the fuck's going on like did you find this ram yet like fucking text me back asshole right so i was sitting on my phone for four days just waiting for pay by play and then you know you get the fucking I don't know what you said me shots fired or rammed down or something like that. I'm like waiting till they get back into service. And I don't even, I think you had like one bar of service. I'm like, send me pictures, send me pictures. Come on. Like <laughs> send me fucking pictures. He's like, yeah, yeah, I will. I'll send them when we get back to Fort St. John. I'm like, fuck you. Send it back when you get to Fort Nelson. Okay. Like let's go. So, but yeah, no, I was, uh, yeah, I, I like going along for the adventure too. And 
you know, we went two years in a row, took a year off. I was planning on going this year too, but yeah, it just wasn't in the cards for me this year. But I was I was glad they were successful and I'm glad that they didn't get it on day one and Devin got to experience kind of what a real sheep hunt is all about. Yeah, yeah. right on. Are you um are you are you going out this next year? Are you you got plans to, to do a sheep hunt or what's your plan for twenty twenty four? Twenty twenty four I'd like to. Um you know, I don't with family stuff, kids and whatnot, and uh, with work, it's I I don't really see it in the cards again, at least for another year. But you know, stranger things have happened. We'll, we'll see. But as of right now, if I do, it might be a late season sheep hunt, depending on you know LEHs and everything too. That always seems to pull a trump card. If a guy gets a good draw, then your plans will change. But what about you, Dev? Yeah, back to back years of sheep hunts, I find her for the for the you know the normals like us kyle you know we're we we don't all sit on the throne of of yours but uh no uh back to back years i think is always it's nice to take a year off because it man a lot goes into a sheep hunt yeah it's the it's the biggest prep hunt of all of them in my mind um different prep i mean physical gear planning scouting I mean, fi- figuring out how much whiskey you're going to drink on a moose hunt is a, is a tough prep too and how much food you're going to eat. But, you know, the, the full-on prep of, of a sheep hunt is, it's a lot. It's, you go in August, your family is like, fuck, you, what are you guys, you guys are already gone. And then you're, it's just a lot of time. So, but I'm a sucker for tagging along too. So if Kurt was like, I'm going sheep hunting and I had nothing else planned as far as draws and that kind of stuff, I wouldn't say no. You got to do it while you're young. The gear is ready. It's, uh, there's really no excuse not to besides, you know, family and, and time if, if it didn't allow it. So I'm kind of game. I'm also, you know, the designated pack mule for stone sheep hunts for the foreseeable future. So, um, <laughs> uh, I'm along for the sleep-ins. I'm along for, uh, you know, all the, the fun stuff that comes along with the, cause my stone sheep partners are going to be Kurt and Matt probably for a while. And I've, you know, I've killed a tipped and a, and a broomed ram now. So I, there's no real reason for me to even, I don't have a real reason to kill another sh- stone sheep, to be honest. I'm not saying I won't, I've said this before, but I'm not going to do it for a while. I can say that. Yeah. Awesome, man. Well, congrats to you. And, uh, yeah, it's amazing, amazing Ram, beautiful Ram, well-deserved. And I guess, uh, that fierce was a good investment. You're pretty happy with uh, the new rifle, eh? Yeah. Um, the confidence went up to another level this year with, because of that. I mean, it was, we got really confident with our Tikas. Like Kurt and I had spent a lot of time behind those rifles and, and they were, the reason we were killed our first two rams was a, a rifle that we were confident with so it was a it was a tough call to for omer you know he twisted our rubber arms with uh his price points and you know just that you know that tack you know that uh sales tactic he you know preaches there but <laughs> the proof was in the pudding they they kept sending us groups and things and at the sheep show he was like you guys got to get into these 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 are the guns for you your type of hunter you know a little bit rougher you don't have the budget or the need for a ten thousand dollar mountain rifle so if you guys are gonna upgrade and find a gun this is the one and the caliber kind of spoke to us we're definitely 
you know, large caliber, 30 caliber Magnum type guys. So that 300 PRC was kind of a no brainer. Although the seven PRC was a close second and yeah, it, you know, right out of the gate as, as good as it shot and as good as we could shoot them, it was pretty hard to deny that we were, I was going to be confident behind it. So makes a difference. Did you guys get Garrick to work up a load for you? You just use factory ammo. What do you guys do for that? Garrick uh, did a load for me. And then uh, I think he sent the what he had for you, Devin. You tweaked it a little bit, didn't you? Yeah. I mean, not <clears throat> not a lot. So Garrick kind of suggested what he was kept proving out in them. Um, and, he, and I load my own ammo. So then I knew what I was going to go with. And, and we ended up running... 200 grain solid copper barns lrx's as our lead and um the powder charge i never even had to tweak eric said try this and i went out and grouped it and the biggest thing i tweaked was just distance off lands as far as that for seating depths and once i found a seating depth that was it it was actually really quick and and having garrick you know give you basically 90 percent of the recipe yeah, I didn't really have to tweak anything. So yeah, he he definitely set us up there to where to good starting point and basically a good finishing point. I mean, pretty nice resource to have for sure. Yeah, right on. Yeah, awesome. Well, gents, um, I'm not going to take any more of your time tonight. We really appreciate it. But uh, what before we let you go, what's on the horizon for coming out heavy? What's the plan? What what can we look forward to? <laughs> Well, it's we, a good question. Yeah, we don't really know. Um, <laughs> you know, when we started it, we were doing one every two weeks. For it seems like the last year and a half, we've been doing one a month. But um, you know, I think we'll probably just keep status quo and keep pumping them out. You know, if we hunting season's always tough. You know, it's hard to get any content out, and you know, like we tried doing this, I think a month ago, and just no one's schedules was lining up right. But um, yeah, I think we'll, as far as I know, we'll just keep plugging along, eh, Dev? Yeah, I mean, it's, try to fit, <coughs> fit them in, probably a little bit more consistency is obviously what we should be striving for, but uh, you don't want to give the fans too much, you know, you gotta, <laughs> gotta <laughs> always leave them wanting a little more. I mean, honestly, like, thinking about your question before, kind of like, I, I know it's more of a, probably a joking matter, but I actually thought about the the podcast at the sheep show it should be something um you know come out heavy's brand there would be sit down with us and tell us stories like that's that's the podcast there like we'd have guys hunters from around like come in if you think you got a story that we'd like to listen to i mean that's that's how i would set that up is we'll we'll have a big cooler full of beer and we'll just sit and get drunk and tell hunting stories i mean that's that's the come out heavy way so uh I, I could definitely see that working and, and being a fun little event to do. So, yeah. Yeah, well, and do it for sure. It'll be awesome. That's exactly what we wanted there. Like, you know, we talk, I, I use a, the bullshit signature all the time, Wild Sheep Family. Like, you know, it's it's almost like overused, but it truly is. Like, we're all just a bunch of guys and gals hanging around that really care. And like, we really get together once or twice a year. And it's just so awesome. Just, and like, there's so many stories and so much stuff and that's what it's all about. So that's it. And, and it's just, just a wholesome experience It's people that care about the same stuff. They care about the resource. They want to go out and take some off the mountain and make sure they're there for, you know, when they go next time and their kids. And it's just awesome. That's what it's all about. In my opinion. So. Yeah. Like some of my favorite moments is 
like after the show when we all end up in someone's hotel room drinking god knows whatever's on the counter there but you can just being a fly in the wall in some of those rooms when you some of like the real deal sheep hunters that have pounded some big rams and big animals in general but you know they're not out there in the public they don't want to be out there in the public but you get 10 guys sitting in a room after a few drinks and they start swapping stories man like i'm not saying a word i'm just sitting there just listening and you know taking in all the information that they're throwing out like it's that's what i really look forward to right and, it, and it's guys you see once a year twice a year too so it's like it, it's it's great i'm definitely looking forward to it yeah awesome man well thank you guys again for everything and uh just keep up the great work it's awesome to listen to your your podcast always it's definitely a highlight for me it's it's a uh, it's good good comic relief for sure and always learn something too right so it's awesome thanks a lot for having Appreciate us on it. yeah like and keep up the good work too you guys are you're definitely putting out some good content and you know i hear some of the people you guys have on and i reach out to them too but we don't quite have the street cred that you guys got just yet they're like who the fuck are these guys and you know they're intimidated man they're like oh fuck curtain dev like oh no it's too yeah. high profile <laughs> that's awesome no yeah, intimidated or they don't want to be known they don't want to have like any kind of affiliation with come out heavy <laughs> yeah so awesome well thanks again boys have a great uh great evening and thanks for your time thanks for having yeah. us on no problem have a good one